0: get to start a new book today here, the book of Daniel. And we're going to start out obviously in Daniel chapter one, and we'll title this 10 times wiser than Babylon's wise men. Okay. You know, the book of Daniel, just give a brief introduction here. The book of Daniel is a fascinating prophetic book that even our Lord Jesus Christ referenced in his teachings when he said, uh, in quotes here, when you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet standing where it ought not. Now, ch- now just underline that in your mind there. Daniel, the prophet, Jesus has given Daniel uh, credibility here. Let him that readeth understand for in those days shall be affliction. Such as was not from the beginning of the creation, which God created unto this time, neither shall be. And except the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh should be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, he has shortened the days. And that was from Mark Chapter 13, verses 14 and uh, 19 through 20 there. So, you know, what what days? What is Jesus talking about? What is this abomination of desolation? What is this great affliction that Jesus is talking about? Who are the elect? And uh, many other questions we have after reading that, but um, what he tells us where to find that information, in part anyways. Um, he says... Whoso readeth, or him that readeth, let him understand. That's what Jesus said. He said, if you read the book of Daniel, that will help you understand many of these great mysteries. Um, You know, he's talking about this time of great persecution or the great tribulation. And it really seems like we're sort of kind of living Uh, little types and examples of that even now with this coronavirus shutdown, you know, where the government is really uh, coming down upon us, uh, restricting our freedoms, taking away a lot of our rights for the sake of, uh, you know, trying supposedly trying to save lives and and so forth. Um, But anyways, throughout this book, we're going to take a close look at many mysterious prophecies. We're going to read about The 77s, uh, the time, times and a half of the Antichrist, the 1290 days, the 1335 days that the elect are supposed to make it to. Okay, so many fascinating topics in this book. Uh, The book of Daniel also gives us examples of times when uh, civil disobedience is actually necessary. And, um, you know, like, you know, with this coronavirus stuff going on, it, it's sort of, you know, well, think about this. I'll say it like this. During this coronavirus shutdown, churches are shut down, but abortion clinics are open. Churches are deemed unnecessary while um, abortion clinics are deemed necessary. There, there definitely is a huge problem with that. And, um, you know, if the church just allows that to go on, then um, we're, we're sort of aiding and abetting the narrative or we're sort of uh, um, just willingly giving up our rights to worship God. So at times we have to we have to take a firm stand and say enough is enough. Um, you will not restrict our freedom from worshiping God. That's, that's the big line when it comes to whether or not Christians should obey civil law or not. Um, if if it comes down to paying your taxes, and things like that, you, you do that. You follow the law. But when it comes to the point where they're saying you can't meet and study the Bible with other Christians, that's where we say, nah, buddy, you go pound sand or something like that. You know, um, the governor of Minnesota, it was interesting. He he said, well, he extended the uh, the stay at home order until May 18th now, another two weeks or, or so. And in his reasoning uh, as far as not opening churches, not allowing churches to open up, he said, well, if I let churches open up, then we'd have to open up movie theaters. And I was thinking, does he even realize what he's saying? He's saying that, you know, uh, Christianity is really no different than um, a fictitious Hollywood movie. You know, really no different than somebody participating and sitting there watching a movie. And, um... You know that's a lot of people didn't catch that, but that's what that's what he's making an equivalent to. Um, anyways, I could go on and on about that, but there's definitely a line to be drawn, and I think we've crossed that line today. Um, um, and also, you know, when we're talking about the the men that were ten times wiser than Babylon's wise men, we're talking about God's people. We're going to be talking about Daniel. Um, uh, what are the names of the three Hebrew children I, I don't want to say their Babylonian names that's the ones that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego I always forget their, their Hebrew names but uh, we'll get into that in a little bit but those, those four men were way wiser than any of the wise men of Babylon and it's sort of uh, reminds me of today. You know, we got all the wise men of Babylon. They're the ones telling us to be really scared of the coronavirus. They're the ones try, telling us uh, we need these shutdowns. We need to quarantine the healthy and not just the sick. And, um, and obviously, many people are waking up to the fact that these so-called experts are really not that smart at all. And God's people could have told you long ago that you don't, that you don't quarantine the healthy in an, in, an, in an emergency like this to try to stop uh, an infectious disease from spreading. You just quarantine those who are sick. Okay, so it is biblical to have quarantines, but only quarantine those that are sick uh, with symptoms or if they've had symptoms or have been exposed to somebody with, with symptoms, um, then there's justification for a... Uh, uh, quarantine then. But we'll, we'll talk more about that as we get going, but um, let's just get reading Daniel chapter one, verse one in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, King of Judah came Nebuchadnezzar King of Babylon unto Jerusalem and besieged it. Now this, this book is very interesting and I think it's very timely. You know, God allowed the kingdom of Judah to get defeated by the Babylonians and to go into captivity because of their disobedience and rebellion Um, for 70 years. Even for 70 years, they were to go into captivity today. We read about the Babylonian captivity of the end times or the kingdom of the antichrist. And that's supposed to last for seven years. Okay. Seven years. But, um, you know, one day the Israelites, interestingly enough, they thought, well, we can just keep sinning. We can just keep doing what we want to do. We can keep worshiping our false gods. Nothing's going to happen to us. And then one day when the Babylonians came, by surprise, everything suddenly changed overnight. And it's interesting when you think about the COVID-19 Thing that's going on. Our lives changed overnight. Now, I'm not saying it's going to stay that way or we are in Babylonian captivity now. We could be. This could be the beginning of it. This could be like the first siege of the Babylonians, uh, if you wanted to liken it to that. Or it could just be a type, or an, a type or an example or a warning of how fast things can change. And if you're not spiritually ready or spiritually prepared to handle it, um, it's not going to be a good thing. We have to be prepared. God's word has warned us all along. Jesus said um, in Mark 13 there that I read in the beginning when he quoted from Daniel. He said, when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, uh, you better get out of Jerusalem. Okay? You don't want to be there because uh, that's where this is all going down. Okay. Um, Anyway, so things can change fast. They did for the Israelites back then. Um, Of course, we know from Revelation 17 and 18, like I was mentioning, that Babylon back here during Daniel's time is actually a type of mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots of the earth, uh, foretold of in the book of Revelation. That mysterious system, that secret system, that actually manipulates and controls the nations of the world behind the scenes. Um, So in other words, Babylon that we're reading about back here represents globalism and or the future kingdom of the Antichrist referred to as the New World Order. Verse 2. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Okay, so God actually gave the leader of Judah right into the hand of the king of Babylon with part of the vessels of the house of God. Interesting, we're talking about that today. Look at, look at the churches and how they are being controlled right now by the government. You can't meet except for through our chosen avenues like uh, that we can control and censor, like YouTube and Facebook and so forth. Um, what we're seeing here in, in the book of Daniel is everything is being taken captive. Okay, Freedom is no longer a thing for the Israelites at this time. Um, they are being subjected to the powers of their enemy. So and the Lord gave Jehoiakim king of Judah into his hand and, with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels. Now check this out. He brought the vessels, those holy vessels, into the treasure house of his God. So Nebuchadnezzar took all of the holy things away from God's people, all the holy vessels, um, and actually brought and put them in the treasury or the treasure house of his false God. Um, That makes me think of something here. You know, the Federal Reserve banking system, many people believe that that's a federally owned institution. It's owned by, it's owned and completely controlled by the federal government. But it's, but it's not, it's actually, if you, if you do some research on it, you'll find out it is a privately owned bank, privately owned banking system. Um, and many people have traced it actually going back to the ownership of the Rothschilds, uh, uh, a very rich and shadowy type family. Um, actually the richest family, many people say on earth even though we've got rich guys that uh, like the guy that owns Amazon and, you know, you got the Bill Gates. You're talking about guys that are probably 10 times richer than these guys, if not even more. It's just that they're not talked about. They're in the shadows. Um, That's your real. We've got a deep state that many people know about, the political conservatives know about, and they are connected. They are connected to those families, but they don't really go much farther than that. They look at the deep state as there's just these guys that are liberal-minded and they're embedded in these institutions of government like the cia the fbi and uh the mainstream media and that's true but it goes even deeper than that the deep state goes deeper than what many people think it actually goes to i believe uh, the actual um biological descendants of cain starting uh with his father uh the serpent or satan okay Anyways, we'll get into that uh, maybe a little bit more today or some other time here. We'll see. Um, but anyways, we pay, we pay the Federal Reserve Bank. It's, it, was, it was founded, in, I believe it was 1913. We actually pay them interest to loan us money, a privately owned bank. And all of our national debt, or I shouldn't say all of our national debt, a great deal. I think the two biggest holders of our national debt are China and the Federal Reserve. And I think the Federal Reserve is number one, if I remember right. And, and I'm thinking, how is that possible? How, how is it that we let those guys just print and make our money and we have to pay them interest? And they're not actually, they didn't even, this wasn't even their money to begin with. It was just created out of thin air. Um, it's, it's amazing. Um, but anyways, no doubt the Federal Reserve System is a part of the end times system referred to in the book of Revelation as mystery Babylon the great. And it's part of bringing in the kingdom of the Antichrist. Um, anyways, verse 3. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. Okay. Children in whom was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge, and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and who whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Now it's interesting here. Nebuchadnezzar cherished learning, um, he cherished the science, you know, learning and the sciences, and he wanted. To tap into the into the brightest minds of the Israelites, um, he didn't really care that they were Israelites all that much. He just wanted to he wanted to have smart people around him uh, to serve his purposes, to serve in his kingdom, and and I think we should notice something here. You know, just because we're Christians, it doesn't mean that we should totally reject worldly wisdom. Uh, worldly knowledge as though it's meaningless. You know, we shouldn't be anti-science unless it's fake science, um, like evolution or global warming or something like that. Um, uh, in fact, in fact, we'll, we're actually going to see, because these four uh, children of Judah had such great wisdom and were blessed with understanding in the sciences and, and things like that, we're actually going to see them be advanced to positions of influence within the kingdom of Babylon, where they're eventually going to be able to witness, um, be a witness for Almighty God in Babylon. So, um, you know, think about this. Uh, Well, we'll talk about it the next verse here. We're going to see something interesting here. Verse 5. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat, and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. So Nebuchadnezzar financed this. He subsidized their learning and training for three years so that they would be able to stand before the king and work for his kingdom. Um, he was, you know, notice he, he's trying to get them to assimilate as well. He's teaching them their language, um, and we're going to see. Uh, another thing here. Verse six. Now, among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah. Here's the names that I couldn't remember. Hananiah, Michelle and Azariah. Okay. Now there's something very important about the meaning meanings of these names. and I'm going to go over them real quick. Daniel means L is my judge. Now L is one of the sacred names of God. In the Hebrew, El means uh, God or the uh, powerful God. Hananiah, and you can even hear the, these uh, you can even hear these parts of God's name in their names. Hananiah means Yah is gracious. Yah is a shortened version of Yahweh, God's Hebrew name when he speaks of his covenant relation to his people. Michiel, very similar to Michael, it means who is Azel? Azariah. You hear your Yah in there again, Azariah, helped of Yah. So when you when you look at these guys' names, I mean it's obvious they were servants of the true God, but just by their names. Um, those were their Hebrew names, okay? So we'll go to verse 7 and we'll read this. And we're going to see something very interesting happen to these names here. These, these guys and their names. Verse 7. Unto whom the prince of the eunuchs, this is the Babylonian government official, gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach. He named Hananiah Shadrach, renamed him. And to Mashiel or Mishael, of Meshech, and to Azariah of Abednego. Okay? Now, now, check this out. So, the king of Babylon has these guys renamed. Um, why do you think he would be doing that? He's doing that because he's trying to get, the he's trying to erase their uh, the Israelites' culture and replace it with... Uh, or get them to assim, uh, to assimilate into the Babylonian culture. Now today, that, that's happening all the time in America. They're always trying to erase anything to do with our Christian heritage, our Christian culture, and replace it with something else. Obviously, they're trying to replace it with diversity, tolerance. Those are all Babylonian themes, Okay, themes that we'll actually even see in this book of Daniel itself. Um, in other words, they're trying to take us from being a Christian nation, a Christian people, and they're trying to get us to assimilate into a non-Christian, paganized uh, country in the image of Mystery Babylon. Okay, so he's trying to get, he's trying to get these boys to assimilate into Babylonian culture by giving them new names. But but I want you to know there, It isn't just that they took on Babylonian names. The meanings of these names are actually very similar to their Hebrew to the Hebrew meaning of their names, but tweaked to represent the false gods instead of the true God. And I'm going to read them here in a second, uh, or right now. Belchisazar, that's Daniel's new Babylonian name. Instead of El is my judge, or El protects me, or El judges my cause, it hit the, the uh, Babylonian name means protect thou, O Bel, or oh, Baal, now that this Baal or Baal was the chief, one of the chief gods of Babylon. Um, so now, I mean, nice. I mean, how look at look what's happening to these guys? They're being forced. They don't even have a choice. They they have they're actually having to accept this. You know, I hope this we're not heading towards that in America today, where um, eventually we we have to submit somewhat to some things because. We, it's out of our power to, to do otherwise. But here it obviously was out of their power. Now, I will say this before I read the rest of these names. Um, historically, I can't remember, it was Jeremiah chapter something. I can't remember. I might, might think of it as we go. But God gave the Israelites, or the children of Judah, a specific command to submit to the king of Babylon. He says, I want you to submit to them because, and because of, they were being punished for the sins of their nation. But he said, if you submit to them, I will still let you flourish while you're there, while you're under submission. Um, now, the big argument is uh, among many people is, well, do we submit to the government today then if they're bringing in um, the new world order upon us? Are we supposed to submit to that? I would say at this time we still stand against it and we rebel against it with all of our power besides standing up um, and taking up arms against it, you know, not not getting our guns and saying, we're going to go storm the uh, capitals and uh, take over. I'm not, that should never be done because uh, in uh, the book of Revelation, when referring to the beast or the new world order, in Revelation chapter 13, there's a specific warning there that whoever picks up the sword will die by the sword and then it says here's the patience and the faith of the Saints but we haven't been given a direct command by God like they were back then to submit to what's going on right now some people will say when I'm when I'm advocating to take a strong stand rebel against certain things they are saying you shouldn't do that because you don't want to fight against the new world order because God says it's coming to pass but I also see various commands in the Bible where God tells us to come out of Babylon, to resist Babylon, and to not be partakers of partakers, uh, be a partaker of her in her sins and of her plagues and, and so on. So that may be a topic that will get, as we get closer to the end times, that God will give us um, more clear guidance on. But at this time, I say you stand up and you fight with everything you have as far as telling the truth and, um, and doing your best to follow civil law unless they tell you you can't worship God or you can't meet together and things like that. Anyways, I'm going to leave that topic open-ended for now. But I do believe right now is a time to stand. Um, Shadrach means the command of Aku, which was the moon god of Babylon. So you can see that direct, all, all that's basically going on is the same meanings. The na- these names basically have the same meanings. They're just replacing the true God with false gods. Meshech, who, means who is as Aku. Remember, Mashiel means who is like El. Well, now his name means who is as Aku. Okay? I mean, this is really kind of degrading if you think about it. I mean, ah. Oh. I mean, these guys had to endure this because of the sins of their nation. They had to take these new names on and live with them, being named after moon gods and whatever. Abednego, servant of Nebo. That's what that that name means, uh, the god of learning, okay? Um, And so on. All right. Now, it's interesting when you... uh, Just an additional note to this. Here we see that they're... They're totally making these guys assimilate into the culture of Babylon. That's happening today. You're suppo- you have must accept homosexuality. You must be tolerant. You must do all these things. They're totally forcing us to submit under political correctness, to assimilate or to conform. Um, in fact, I believe the, the wearing masks in public is a way of... Promoting conformity. I don't really. Uh, the evidence suggests that, that wearing a mask doesn't really prevent the spread of COVID-19 that much. Um, but I think the real purpose behind it is to get us to submit to the narrative. Because when you go out and you wear a mask in public, um, you're basically uh, saying, "I believe in all. I believe that this is so dangerous. It's so fearful." You know, you're basically, in one way or the other, you're actually now agreeing to the narrative by, by wearing the mask. That's, that's my view on it. But anyways, addi- an additional note on this. About, the, about these boys' names being changed from the true meanings related to the true God to the false God. Uh, the serpent seed. Um... From the beginning with Cain, if you if you if you trace even Cain's genealogy itself, you'll see some similarities there between it and the line of Seth. Um, but anyways, all throughout history, as they founded all these false religions and false gods, they've really all they've really done was replace the narrative with them as being the chosen people of God, while. The true chosen people of God are the bad guys. They just flip, they just flip the, 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 the uh, scales or whatever. Um, in ancient Egypt, and I'm going to go into this a little bit in a book I'm going to be publishing this August um, about the number 666. You'll find in Egypt, you'll see this man and this woman, Osiris and Isis. They're together, and Isis is holding a child. And many people say, well, look at that was before Christianity so christianity is actually uh is just another pagan religion right that's that's what some of the so-called uh um, people who uh claim to believe in the old testament not to, the people that reject jesus christ they they they're among those that say that and there are others that try to say that just to discredit christianity but that's not the case what's really happened throughout history is genesis chapter 3, five, uh, three verse 15 was foretold of right away in the very beginning that the woman's seed would conquer the serpent's seed. So they knew that there was this promised child that was coming. That, that's, that's really the whole thing. It was known way before Egypt that a, that a king would come from this woman's seed line that would rule the world. And what Satan has done is he's turned it around and said, nah, that's my son. That's Going to be the king of the world, and my children are the chosen children. So that's why you have Osiris, which I have no doubt represents Satan. Isis represents the seed, the false seed line, and that child, the Horus, there, is none other than the Antichrist himself, the 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 ultimate offspring of the serpent. Um, and uh, we read about it in the Book of Revelation. You read about the dragon, the beast. And the fall, and in fact, Horus, actually, uh, one of the meanings of it, I believe, actually means beast. It's interesting. That's the, that's the little baby in the arms of Isis. Um, uh, and I could go on and on uh, about that topic. But the point is, I wanted to just prove that this is not anything that's new, that Satan is always trying to reverse everything as him being God, his children being the chosen people, and our God being the, the real devil... And the real chosen people being the bad guys. And if you ever wonder, I mean, you ever wonder who who are the people that are so attacked today? Um, without you know making this too much of a uh, uh, an offensive study at this time, but um, it primarily are the um, European Christian peoples. They're always the bad guys in society today. Now that doesn't mean, I mean, Christians in general, I mean, there are great Christians of other races, of black people, Chinese, Indian, you name it. They're part of this family of God. But there is a peculiar hatred against white Christian peoples. And people wonder, that does, that's not an accident. It's because there's a warfare going on between two families that uh, on the earth one the good line and one the bad line, and the bad line's always snaking around in the shadows, uh, creating hatred against our people and our culture. Um, and, uh, anyways, let's continue on. Verse eight. But Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not. De- now check this out. But Dan, let me see. All right. I read verse 7, right? I read them all. Okay, sorry. But Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So, I mean, he has a take on this Babylonian name. So, for whatever reason, he just had to accept it. But he's like, there were certain things that Daniel would not do. And this was one of them. He says he, proposed, he already had it it's, i think it 's important that we already make a decision what we are going to do and what we 're not going to do, because otherwise you get into a, a pickle and if you haven 't really decided what you 're going to do it 's easy to waver with, you know back and forth but so daniels already in his mind he said i 'm not partaking of this of these uh, unclean meats that the king is going to offer me now um, many people um, believe that these meats were uncleaned simply because they were offered up to idols and so forth. And that, that very well could be. But we're going to find out actually there's something that actually, uh, we're going to find out that actually these unclean meats actually affected their, uh, Daniel's health or other people's health. Now, I believe that what he's talking about here is that whatever these meats were, they were among those listed in Leviticus chapter 11 as unclean, or unfit for human consumption. And check this out, as you're gonna see here. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Interesting, God can control the minds even of those that oppose us around us to bring his plan to pass. Verse 10, And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink for why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then you shall make me endanger my head to the king. In other words, this, this prince of the eunuchs, this high-ranking government official that liked Daniel, he's pleading with Daniel. He's saying, Hey, if you don't eat this king's meat, the, the meat that the king has provided for you, I'm, you might cause me to get my head cut off. So he's, he's saying, come on, dude, just eat the king's meat. Um, verse 11, then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, uh, Mishael, and Azariah, prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Now, this pulse was uh, thought of as some kind of a, a vegetable food. Now, a lot of people use this to try to justify uh, vegetarian-only diets, okay? Um, I don't believe that's the case. The point is is you're, the king was providing unclean meat that actually is not healthy for the body, whereas this pulse was just pure, clean, uh, edible food meant to be consumed and water. Um, verse 13, he says, then let our countenance be looked upon before thee and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal with thy servants. In other words, he says, let us eat the clean food for 10 days. And then you compare how healthy we look compared to the other people who are eating of the king's meat. Um, And so on. Verse 14, so he consented to them in this matter, the Babylonian official agreed, and proved them 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat of the portion of the king's meat. Now, this is why I say I don't believe this could just simply be, uh, they're not just rejecting food that was sacrificed unto idols. Because even in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says, "Hey, if there's a big steak there that somebody off and, and you know it's cooked properly and whatever, and uh, it was offered by some pagans to their idols, just go ahead and eat it. It's not going to hurt you. Whatever they did is, as long as the meat's clean. Um, here, um, uh, we're obviously seeing some amazing health benefits." Um, by by them simply avoiding that unclean meat and cleaning up their diet for just 10 days. So, in other words, my point is that this had to have been meat that was from the list of forbidden meats of Leviticus chapter 11 um, that they were eating. doesn't really say what it is. Um, but So why would this be in here? You know, obviously God wants... I mean, there are many things in the Bible where God wants his people to be healthy, to be um, able-bodied and so forth... And um, and anyways, verse 16. Then Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. Okay? He's convinced. And he takes away the unclean food from them. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So I mean, God blessed these guys. These guys, were, uh, these guys were bright. And you know what? God gives his elect his elect, a great understanding even unto this day, just like he gave gave these guys wisdom. Um, If you read in the Gospels, many times Jesus said, I've given you eyes to see and ears to hear. I've revealed many of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven to you, and I've hidden it from them. Um, So what we see with these four guys, I mean, they really represent the elect, I believe, of the end days. I mean, we know what's going on around us. Everybody else is like a, I mean, it's, it's, It's almost strange to watch. I often like, and have you guys ever watched The Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Anyways, it was like these these people, some uh, foreign alien beings were taking over their bodies, but they still looked the same. But they were just like, you know, like mind-numb robots, all in conformity with each other. And if somebody was not conforming, then they would point at them, everybody would point at them, and they would circle them, and they'd go, Ah! (laughs) and uh, it it feels like that today you know with all the liberals and everything it's like if you don't believe I mean they're just so their minds are so controlled it's it's almost bizarre sometimes you feel like you're in the Twilight Zone they just repeat what's been fed to them by the mainstream media or their various forms of entertainment and it's just again it's just bizarre but these guys had wisdom Um, well I'll actually Quote this verse real quick, Matthew thirteen verse eleven. I think I already mentioned it, but I'll read it direct uh, direct quote from it. In one place, Jesus says this: "Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given." Okay, it is not given. So there, are, it doesn't matter. I mean, all these wise. Think about these wise men of Babylon. The God's people were ten times wiser than them. It, and these guys all went to the greatest Babylonian universities. Uh, they got all their doctorate degrees, you know, the equivalent of what doctorate degrees would be. Um, but, but, but God's people were 10 times smarter than any of those so-called wise men or experts. Um, and I'd say it, it's the same today. I mean, just think of all the nonsense that comes out of our academic institutions today. They say we came from monkeys they go on and on about global well it started out with global warming and then that didn't really work because then it got colder so now it's climate change um and uh, uh transgenderism you know that that's just a um another acceptable uh normal thing and, and it totally defies science and reasoning um i could go on and on but the wise men of babylon are really not that wise at all Verse 18, Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Okay? Now all these uh, four Hebrew, four children of Judah, are going in before the great king Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mashiach, Azariah, and Azariah, therefore stood they before the king. No one in all of Babylon was as wise as these four guys. And verse 20, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians, and astrologers that were in all his realm, okay? So Nebuchadnezzar was pretty impressed with these guys. Um, and, um, and you know, I can't help but think of, you know, he says here they were 10 times better than all the magicians and the astrologers that were in his realm. I liken these to all these uh, so-called medical experts that we have, you know, um, that, what's that guy's name? That's how... Yeah, Fauci, you know, I liken those guys to the modern-day magicians, astrologers. They always have all these long-winded explanations about everything. And, 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 um, and I think a lot of it's just, a, in large part, a lot of it's just a bunch of nonsense. I mean, if, you know, again, they, they first they told us that we were doing all these things, the, the shelter in place, so that we could flatten the curve and then we later find out they just keep extending and extending and extending. So now the wise person is like, wait a second, maybe this has never been about flattening the curve. Maybe this is about something else because uh, they're, n- they're not letting us get back to normal and we've done our part. Um, and now real evidence has come out showing, the, and uh, Tucker Carlson just brought this up the other day in, uh, on uh, one of his programs. He said that there's evidence coming out that shows that these mass quarantines Of healthy people really have done nothing to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. In fact, um, in fact, uh, millions of people. Now that they're they're taking samples of people, millions of people probably have already had coronavirus and just had no symptoms. Um, So, you know, I mean, really, I mean, so it's is it does it really take all these wise men of Babylon to tell us how to? stay healthy um, and um, and does it really take destroying the whole national economy and throw I mean think about it is that a wise thing to do mass quarantines of healthy people so that the economy tanks everybody starts panicking everybody lives in fear that's not that's not using wisdom. the wise thing would be to do um, would be simply if you wanted to stop, I think I mentioned it earlier, I'll say it again. If you want to stop an infectious disease, you simply quarantine the sick or those who may have had direct contact with somebody recently that was sick. Um, and um, everybody else just goes about their normal business. I mean, it's, it's really, we've got all these experts trying to tell us to do all these crazy things, totally turn our world upside down, when God's word just tells us the simple answer to how you deal with an infectious disease. It's, 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 not ro- you know, it's not rocket science, but they're making it into a whole elaborate system of, you know, they suck people in, so they're like, you know, just believing all this integrated, uh, intricate nonsense. Um, now, of course, I mean, like, like I mentioned, um, if, if you come in contact with the virus, I'm not saying that somebody should uh, go and visit their 80-year-old grandma right after they come in contact with the virus or something like that. I mean, that's, you know, that, that's common sense stuff and that's um, stuff they could have told us right from the beginning. Um, anyways, so one of the lessons uh, uh, from this lesson from this verse here anyways, I think we got a, I don't know if we have a couple more verses, but a lesson from this, another lesson from this verse could be if you're really good at what you do. Now think of Daniel, and you know they are ten times wiser than all the wise men of Babylon. If you're really good at what you do, even during a time of uh, captivity, you can still flourish. You can gain the favor of your captors. Uh, look at Joseph. Think about him, he was put in prison, uh, or he was sold as a slave. He gained the favor of his. Uh, Of his uh, slave master and ended up being in charge of all the slaves and then later you know he kept advancing himself so if things get out of hand if things get craziness keeps going down as Christians we want to stand up and do our part to fight but at the same time we got to have peace of mind and still stay productive and do what we can do um, to keep serving God and let God handle the rest um, because That's what these boys had to do, and uh, we might at some point have to do the same. Um, so, in other words, if you're really good at what you do, you can even earn the favor of non-believers in charge of you, um, because they won't be they won't be able to resist elevating you to positions of power and influence if it's going to if they perceive you as helping them. Um, Again, I don't know when that time will be, but well, it even really applies even today. Some people might work for an employer that's not a Christian employer. In fact, many Christians work for employers that are not Christian employers. But they should, as a Christian, they should work as hard as they can, uh, be as diligent as they can, so that they can work their way up the ranks, rather than if they just sat at the bottom and they and they just complain and say, "Well, my boss, he's just a big, uh, you know." put some expletives in there and uh, sit and complain and moan about how, how bad it sucks having to work for the big man, you know. Um, these guys didn't do that. Okay, I think like this last verse here, and Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus, okay. Now, the reason why this verse is in here, and we'll find out a little bit more about that later on as we get through the book of Daniel, but Daniel lived, his, lived through the entire 70 years of Babylonian captivity. In other words, the majority of his life was lived in as a captive. No freedom. Uh, He didn't have the Bill of Rights. (laughs) He didn't have the Constitution of the United States. Um, All he had was he had to obey uh, the King of Babylon um, or else, except for in certain situations that we'll see coming up here. Um, But he will eventually see... Israel's freedom restored under King Cyrus the Great. And that's why this verse is mentioned here. All right, so in conclusion, no matter what happens, no matter how bad things look, always, we must always remember that God does, can, and does take care of his own, even in captivity. For Daniel and his three companions, um, that actually meant elevation within the kingdom of Babylon. Um, during that time when the rest of their people had lost their freedom and so forth. Um, so they made the best of it and just kept serving God um, without taking up the sword. And again, I don't know when that time will be or if it'll ever be exactly, if we'll ever have to do exactly what they did, but it is an example that we are to learn from. Any, uh... We hope this message was a blessing to you. If so, please like, share, and leave your comments below. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, my friends, stay in His Word every single day so that you can be a Christian overcomer.